Thank you, Lord. I just realized I'm the one that's supposed to bring y'all back together. I'm just talking to, waiting for the music, but it's not happening tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's a good feeling just being in the presence of the Lord. It's a good feeling knowing I can lean upon his word. Every time I lift my voice in prayer, I can feel his presence everywhere. It's a good feeling just being in the presence of the Lord. It's a good feeling just being in the presence of the Lord. It's a good feeling knowing I can lean upon his word. Every time I lift my voice in prayer, I can feel his presence everywhere. It's a good feeling just being in the presence of the Lord. Isn't it a good feeling? Isn't it great? Being in his presence. God bless you. You may be seated. I am uh, teaching tonight as I taught last Wednesday, and I will be teaching for at least two more, maybe more, but at least two more Wednesday nights. And I want to explain it because there's some people that may be watching for the first time, maybe people here for the first time, uh, what I'm doing uh, and what I'm going to be talking about. Uh, and I do this once a year. If you were to come uh, a little bit later in the year, there's a, there's a chance that you might, uh, if you started coming in uh, you know, October or November, it's, there's a chance you wouldn't hear anything about what I'm teaching uh, for a year. I, I'm saying that not because I don't think it's important, but I'm saying that that's why I take time and I explain it very well. And when I'm done, you have no doubt what I'm talking about. And so you're like, man, he's really nailing this thing down. Yes, I am. Uh, but it's not something that, uh, you know, I, I don't want anyone here to leave thinking, oh, yo, pastor just don't like me. He don't want me there. I don't want you thinking that. I want you here. But I want us to grow. And if, you're, if you don't get something a little bit more weighty than you normally have, you normally don't build that muscle, do you? You can't just keep doing that, you know, that one-pound thing and that two-pound. You've got to get something to, to, to put some oomph in it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some oomph, and it may be hard to hold a little bit, but you just keep working it. And before long, you're going to be, like, twirling it and tossing it around. Uh, but um, we're going to be talking about things that the outward standards of holiness. Now, we talk about the inward st standard of holiness all the time. You're going to hear us talking about getting your heart right and getting those things right. Oh, and, and if someone is only seeing this message, he'll think, oh, that's all he cares about is that stuff on the outside. No, I'm going to take four weeks or more, around four weeks, and Morgan told me, but what if you need more time, Pastor? I said, well, I'll take it if I need it. Um, but... Uh, 
we're, we're going to take this time and we're going to focus on it. And we're going to be talking about, the, about that outward standard of holiness. And, um, and so everybody repeat after me. Everybody say, Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason. is not condemning me. Everybody say, Pastor Jason is not trying to run me off. Everybody say, Pastor Jason loves me. <laughs> and everyone say, Pastor Jason is teaching. And if you will keep that in mind as I teach, as I go through the Word of God, uh, you're going to understand it and you're going to grow because we're talking about, uh, you know, I preached a, a couple of weeks ago about uh, taking up your cross. Uh, and your know, burdens that come in our lives are not the cross. Cross are things that you pick up on purpose. The Bible says, take up your cross. Now I'm going to put a cross on you. A cross, there are burdens in life, and it's just part of the sin nature, but that's not your cross. The crosses are the things that we decide to pick up. And a lifestyle of holiness, you know, it's funny, you start talking about uh, the cross, and everybody likes this, that, the word, you know, it sounds really good. And even the scripture, people will quote it, you know, take up your cross and follow Jesus. When you actually start putting some legs on that stuff, now people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Don't be actually you know, talking about what some actual crosses are that I need to pick up. And it is true. You're going to have to pick them up. I'm going to teach it, but I promise you, I'm not going to show up at your job and find out whether or not you're doing this stuff. I can just promise you right now. I ain't going to be sneaking up to your house. You know, are they doing what I ain't doing it. As a matter of fact, if I see you in the store, you know what I'm going to do? Hey! I'm going to shake your hand, I'm going to love you, and I'm just going to have a good time with you. I am not going to walk around and condemn, but I am going to teach the Word of God straight. And when we get to heaven, the Bible says this. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves that they, talking of the ministry, the people that, that have that spiritual leadership in your life, that we're going to give an account and we want to be able to do it with joy and not with sorrow because the Bible says it's not unprofitable or, or, or hard for me, but for you. And so I don't know how it's going to be. I have no idea. Nobody knows. But I'm going to give an account somehow. And so what I'm going to be able to look our Lord and Savior in the eye and say, he's going to say, did you teach it straight? And I'm going to do everything I can to be able to look him in the eye and say, yes, I did. I said it straight. And uh, I'm going I'm to say that straight. And uh, we were talking about having a passion to please the king. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now this same scripture in the uh, NSV, um, English Standard Version, says trying to determine what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's really what we're doing. What's acceptable? What is pleasing to the Lord? What is it that I can do not to just get by, but God's going to look and say, wow, look at that. They're going the extra mile. That's something I'm proud of. I, I want to please the Lord. I, I want to have a relationship with my wife and her with me, not that we just put up with each other in the house. I want to please my wife, and I want my wife to please me. I don't want us to say, well, I didn't break any vows. Bless God, I'm here. 
aren't you happy you marry me? No, I have a relationship. There's that sweet woman right there. All right, anyways, I can turn this way. Uh, I, I, want, I want to please my wife. I want her to think about pleasing me. Not, well, they just need to put up with us. That should not be our attitude. And it should not be our attitude with the Lord. If we see something that displeases him, we should do the opposite of that. If we see things that please him, we should do that. Is it that simple? And so the Bible says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Not even just evil, appearance of evil. It, it, kinda, it just kind of looks bad. He said, don't do it. But it's not really bad. It just, he said, don't know. If, if it just looks bad, don't do it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And so we are cleansing ourselves, and we want to do it the way the Word of God says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Everybody say, me. me. Cleanse me, Lord. I, I, not, I, I, let me take that back. Not Lord cleanse me. Let me cleanse myself. Because what everybody is saying is, well, you know, God comes in and does everything. When Peter got up and was preaching, he said, he, he says, you need to save yourselves from this untoward generation. So he's saying there are things that you do that helps yourself. And you need to cleanse yourselves, the Bible says, of all filthiness of the spirit. There's a, there's, I, I skipped if you didn't notice. For those that weren't following, I'll clue you in. I skipped something filthiness of the flesh and spirit that flesh is is referring to just the the carnal it, it is actually when you look at it it's, it's the opposite of of the soul and the spirit otherwise that carnal stinking flesh we need to cleanse ourselves of the soul and spirit perfecting holiness well, holiness comes from God, absolutely. We've talked about it a lot, and I'll talk about it more before we're done. I can't be holy. God is the only thing that is holy. But what I can do is when that Holy Spirit comes inside of me, I can make sure it's a house that he wants to stay in. So perfecting holiness. How can I perfect holiness? I can't. I can perfect myself where God says there's no, there's no fellowship with light and darkness. But the power of God comes in me and says, wow, you have cleaned this thing up. You've got this thing. You've done the best you can. Are you perfect? Absolutely not. But you're perfecting. You're working. And you're trying to fear God. So we are to cleanse ourselves of the flesh and the spirit. So both of these things are important. And uh, again, right, I'm, I'm going somewhere, but I just want to set these things up. Um, if we went many years ago, I, I'd love to go back one day. Hopefully I will. But we were in London and went and seen the crown jewels in, in London. And uh, I mean, these things, I mean, there are crowns in there that... It would break my head if I put it on. I mean, my neck would just go right over. Hundreds of pounds 
a crown on their head. And you wonder why they walk so stiff. They're scared to turn their head or anything because once they get, oh, it's over. They never get it up the rest of the, the ceremony. Uh, that's why they walk so stiff. They probably got something up there helping hold that thing. Uh, that's why they can't do it. I'm thinking of them old pictures where they used to snap their necks in the line and they couldn't move. And they looked so natural in those pictures. But, um, but anyhow, uh, we were there. and I mean, these... these uh, crowns and the scepters and the i mean you just walk through this place it's incredible and they have ropes uh, uh rope lines there and they have bulletproof glass and they have cameras everywhere and they have lasers in there and, and uh i think was it you that reached over to, to point at something tab reached over the line don't cross the line he was just pointing something out and said do you see that boy those people would you get away from that sir and they just they just laid into him uh with their nice little British accent. Um, but, but you had a lot of things there, but it, as cool as the bulletproof glasses and the, the uh, lasers and the, um, uh, all the cameras and everybody posted at every section that you turn, another guard there watching with weapons on them. But you know, all those things is not what going to see the crown jewels is all about. It's about the jewels themselves. It's about the treasure itself. It's not about all these other things. But all those other things is what protects it. The same is true as when we have talked about Fork Knox. You got Fork Knox that's supposed to have lots of gold. There's an argument whether or not there's lots of gold in there, but nevertheless, there's supposed to be lots of gold. But where you got Fork Knox, you've got a big uh, door that closes. I've seen pictures of it, and you've got uh, this room, and then you've got an outer room with guards, and then you've got an outside the building, more guards, and you've got fences, and you've got razor wire at the top of it, and you've got uh, uh, guards up in, in um, guard towers, and and not only that is you've got an entire army base just over the hill. Fort Knotts. It's actually a fort. And so they got tanks. They got everything. But it's not about that. What's it about? The gold. And I want, this is very important because I'm going to start teaching. You're going to be saying, man, is it all about those, these outward standards? No. What these outward standards do is they are the way, razor wire and they are the laser beams and they are the armed guards. What it's doing is when you live an outward standard, what you're doing is you're protecting what's inside. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's a treasure inside of me. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away but I've got to protect what the Lord has given me and that's why we put these standards in our lives to make sure that we are protecting this treasure we have in earthen vessels the Bible calls it this treasure and we want to protect it right amen First Timothy, let's go ahead and get in this. We're going to be talking about adornment. We're going to be talking about jewelry and makeup and things that you've never heard before. Now, let me, again, I, I like to set these up because I know people have never heard this stuff. And you're like, that's in the Bible? I didn't know that. And so we're going to be talking about it. I don't want you to feel like if people, again, if you're watching or you're here, oh, you know, I'm just a horrible person. No, we're growing here. We're understanding things here. And as I said last week, uh, standards in and of themselves are not a salvation issue. It is a maturity issue. But once you mature and you understand it, then it can become a salvation issue. 
because he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Okay? But it's a maturity issue. It's something that we are growing into. And so get these scriptures, write them down, study them, pray about it, and ask God to give you a conviction about it. I, I believe it's important for people not to only do something because their pastor says. I think we should do things. We should trust our pastor. But there are things that we need to get inside of us and know the Word of God says this. I want to obey the Word. So let's get into it. First Timothy chapter 2. Verses 8 through 10. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Everybody say holy hands. Without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, so we're still talking about that, that spirit of holiness. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Adornment here means to beautify or to uh, decorate with ornaments. The, uh, actually, the word, it's just talking about putting things on. The Greek word, cosmos, uh, is a derivative of the English word that we use as cosmetics. Things that you're adding on. Uh, and and it's a, it means to order, to arrange, to decorate, to add things onto you. And uh, we're going to be talking about adornment. And so as, as I get into this, let's just pray to ask God to open our hearts and our minds uh, for the next 40 minutes or so as I teach. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you will anoint me, God, to speak your word with boldness, with love, and with clarity. I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone that is here sitting or those that are watching online, God, that they will have a heart that is open to your word. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that I do not come across condemning anyone, but sharing your wonderful gospel, this privilege I have to speak your word. I pray against the enemy of this world, God, the world that pushes against us, the, the world that tries to push its agenda and tell us how we are to live. God, let us push past all that and help us to get in your word and seek to please you above all else in the name of Jesus we pray everyone said amen when you go to the Old Testament as soon as you start seeing jewelry and um, and these things it's not a very uh, good light uh, the first things that we can really see that even possibly uh, before creation well absolutely before this creation um, and before everything really got going, uh, there, was, there was a being that was created. He is one of the archangels. There were three archangels. There's Michael, which is the warring angel. There is Gabriel, which is the messenger angel. And then there was Lucifer. Um, many people said he was over the choir. That's why I always pray extra for Sister Danae to make sure she's okay in that spirit of Lucifer. Don't jump on her. That's a joke. That's a joke. Ezekiel 28:13 Thou hast been in Eden the garden of God every precious stone was thy covering and then it starts listing the different stones the topaz the sapphire the diamonds the onyx the uh, sapphire uh, all these different uh, things of gold that were there verse 14 thou art the anointed cherubim that covereth and i have set thee so i wanted you to have this 
I set you so, that was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. A desire to serve self was found in you. A, a desire that you got to looking at yourself. We don't know a lot about Lucifer before uh, he fell and took uh, a portion of the angels with him. But one of the things we know about him, one of the few things, is that he, he was decked with all these jewels. So right off the top, it's not connected to anything that, is, uh, that we want to be a part of, which is Lucifer falling with his angels. Now, I'm just scratching the surface. Just buckle up or unbuckle, whatever you prefer if you're daring. So now we find the people of God trying to please God, trying to do the right thing. And uh, Jacob, which had um, had the birthright, has the blessing, um, but he's been a conniver and all these different issues. And he went, he ran from his brother uh, Esau. And now uh, he's coming back home with his family after many years. And uh, it's time to get right with God. And, uh, and so he, he's going back to this place, Bethel, where he uh, had met with God. And the Bible says in Genesis 35, verses 3 and 4, he says, Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God. I'm coming back to God. This was his approach back to God and the things of God and the ways of God. He said, we're going to build an altar. We're going to worship God who answered me in the day of my distress. The God that picked me up when nobody else cared about me. The God that met me when I thought I was all alone. Anybody remember that God? He said, we're going back to that God and we're going to build an altar before our God. And so they began to go. In verse 4, Jacob began to talk to those that were with him. And he said, I, I want you to give me what you have. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hands and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under an oak. Jacob took these things and said listen I'm going to get right with God and Jacob knew something about God that I want you to take the now here it says uh, the gods which let me find it here he, they gave Jacob all the strange God which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears so this jewelry and everything that represented these, these gods, they began to give him. But it was beyond just a little statue. It was all the jewelry that they had. And we're going to find this over and over again. They bring them and he hides them under an oak and says, we're going to get right with God. And this is the pattern that you are going to see happen. It's almost as if God was trying to be reasonable. It's like God kept trying to say, okay, you know, this is some you know, metals that I put in the earth. But it's like every time they got a hold of them, they went nuts. Yeah. 
Jacob somehow understood this and he, he buries them and now they leave that place and they go on their way. Uh, but now they have gone into Egypt. They have went there after Joseph uh, had gone and, and prepared the way for them. And now generation after generation after generation ha has grown up in Egypt and it's time for them to leave Egypt. And God blesses them with all of the wealth of Egypt when they left. The Bible says that before you leave, what I want you to do in Exodus 11 and 2, he says, speak now in the ears of the people. Let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor the jewels of silver and the jewels of gold. I want you to go in there and spoil them. I want you to take everything they had. They went up to these doors, knocked on the doors, and said, we would like to have all your jewelry, please. And the people are just like, here, just get out of here. Whatever you want, you take it, you get out of here. This was the wealth of that day. It was not something that God planted on them to wear. We already see that Jacob already hid these things under the oak. This was not something God was playing on them to worship and wear and be a part of. But as soon as they get out into the desert and, and things aren't going the way that they want and Moses is up on the mountain, the pastor has left the building and all all of a sudden, they get all of these, all this jewelry together and begin to make this golden calf. And they not only had it there, they were wearing it on their person. Uh, they had all of this jewelry that they were worshiping. And Moses comes down and Moses is up. Set. And Moses takes the law of God and trying to demonstrate to them that they are breaking the law of God. He threw down these tables these of the Ten Commandments and, and there it, it broke apart. All these things are, are taking place and happening. And they keep getting these, these jewels on them. And every time they get a little, they just go crazy with it. Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, uh, excuse me, verse 2 through 6. I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out all the Canaanites, the Ammonites, the Hittites, uh, all the different ites. Verse 3. Unto a land that flows with milk and honey. This is what I'm wanting to take you to, to a land that flows with milk and honey. But I'm going to send an angel there because I just don't even want to be with y'all. I will not go up in the midst of thee. I want nothing to do with you. I told you I was going to get you in there. I'm going to send you in there. I'm going to send an angel with you, but I don't even want to be with you. Hmm. I will not go in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people. He's a, he's a little uptight. Lest I consume thee in the way. If I come in the midst of you right now, I will consume you, he said. Well, what could they do? I'm just reading the word here. That would make him not want to consume them. They have been consumed by all the ornaments and the jewels. All the stuff that they brought out of Egypt that was supposed to just be the currency of the day. But they are putting it on. He says, I don't want to be in the midst of you. I don't want to mess with you, you stiff-necked people. He said, if I come up in, in the midst of you, I will consume thee. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they murmured, and no man did what? what? No man did put on his ornaments. No, everyone just said, 
oh man, God's upset. And they all just started like, yeah, I ain't doing nothing here. I ain't, I ain't doing that. I don't know what's up, but this ain't going to be with me. No man put on his arms. They, they said, I'm done with this. Verse 5, and the Lord said to Moses, you say to the children of Israel. They've already, they've already heard, but God wants them to make sure they heard it. And so they've already heard it. They're already taken off. But the Lord says, now you tell them, saying to the children of Israel, ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore, the Lord's telling them to say this now. So they, they already knew because they already started. They already knew, hey, man, I shouldn't be doing all this stuff. They already started, but now the Lord is saying that, yeah, you're right. These are, this is some of the things that, are, um, uh, that, that, that I'm upset about. He said, so I, he said, put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do with thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments there at Mount Horeb. Now, every other translation I've read adds a little bit to this. It's, and it's interesting. And when I read it, even in the King James Version, it could have been added there. They chose not to. But this is just one example. But every translation I personally read has this. Exodus 33, verse 6. This is the ESV. I don't know if you can pull up the ESV or not. You may not. That's all right if you can't. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments of Mount Horeb onward. It just adds that word, onward. Otherwise, they did it, and this is the way they were going. They, they took the ornaments off them and decided, we're not going to have this in our lives anymore. And so whenever Jacob knew I'm going before God, he knew get rid of that stuff, bury that stuff. We're going before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, I know me saying this in the world that we're living in, we're like, are you serious? But listen, our, our, our world, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our traditions of this world is not what's going to get us in or keep us out of heaven necessarily. This is what gets us in or out of heaven. This right here. And we can say, that seems old-fashioned. It's so old-fashioned that it's the Bible. And the Bible is so old-fashioned, it's the only book uh, that's going to live forever. Okay, i got to hurry. Another place, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 25 and 26, the graven image um, of their God shall ye burn with fire. He's upset again. God's upset and, and saying when we go into these places, you don't mess with their, their idols. He says, um, you burn it with fire. Though um, Thou shalt not desire the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee. The silver and the gold that makes up these idols, don't be taking it unto thee. Don't allow it to be, become a part of who you are lest thou be snared therein. There is a certain snare. There is a certain snare that happens to people whenever they start opening that door. I'm going to get to it in a minute. I'm jumping ahead of myself. For it is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Again, this is an abomination not just to them, but unto the Lord their God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination to thy house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. Thou shalt utterly detest it. Hmm. And thou shalt utterly abhor it. 
for it is a cursed thing. Don't mess with it. Now, are you, are you starting to kind of see a little picture here that's kind of, you know, it's like every time that God starts talking about this stuff, he's like, I, I don't like it. And, and every time people get a hold of it, something happens to them. And it's, it, it never stays simple. All right, let me move. Some New Testament, and I have a lot to cover, and I, I'm going to try to say a lot here in a few minutes. The two... Now, there's more in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, I'm, when I talk about cosmetics, it will also be talking about jewelry as well. But there's more in the Old Testament I can go through. But let me just jump to the New Testament for a moment. The two apostles that would be known, I, I think everyone would say, are the two uh, most well-known apostles. Many would say the two um, um, uh, even most important apostles. I don't know. I don't know. I think God necessarily judged them that way. But they, they are most definitely the two most prominent uh, Peter to the uh, Jews first and then later the Gentiles, but Paul primarily uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. Both of them, when you reach the New Testament, the Old Testament, it was like God would say, okay, you know, try to work with it, and they would go crazy. He said, get that out of your hand. You can't handle that. Give me that back. And then it was like he would try it again, and they would do something. He was like, no, 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 no. It kept going. When you get to the New Testament, they stop playing with it, period. And they simply say, do not do it. First Timothy 2, 8 and 10. I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Speaking of a, of a right spirit. Not with, not with broided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array. He's saying you've got to have the right attitude, but he doesn't say just have the right attitude. He said, listen, there is something that happens when we, there's a pride that comes in whenever you start adorning yourself. So he goes right to the chase, and he does not just say, keep a right attitude. He goes ahead and goes to what happened in the Old Testament, where he kept having to tell these people, take that stuff off. And he now comes back here, and he's saying, you've got to have the right attitude, but let me help you out. Just keep all that jewelry off of you. Not with. Everybody say, not with. Broided hair. Now, this is talking about weaving. Um, uh, they would weave bits of gold and, and different jewels into their hair. Not with broided hair, nor gold, which is the precious metal of the day, nor pearls, which was the precious stone of the day. Not diamonds back then, pearls, but it's covering all those. It's not just talking about just the pearls. It's talking about all those. He was just going for the top dogs or pearls or costly array. And so this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the young man, Timothy, and he's saying you've got to keep the right spirit if you're going to uh, i would that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting in like manner also that women adorn themselves with modest apparel not with gold pearls costly array and so he begins to explain not that well you can kind of do it he said just don't have anything to do with it in first peter now this is apostle paul now we're going to look what the apostle peter says 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, being subject to your own husbands, 
that if any obey not the word, they may be won by the chaste conversation of the wives. Why, they beheld their chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be, sounds just like Paul, doesn't it? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God is of great price. For after this manner in old time did women, holy women, also who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subject into their own husbands. Now, a couple things we need to see here. First of all, let me just say this straightly. In verse 2, who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning, the playing of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on the apparel. He's saying, don't let jewelry be what leads and guides your life. Matter of fact, don't have anything to do with it. Now you have the apostle Paul that says, don't wear it. Now the apostle Peter saying, don't wear it. Now an interesting thing is a lot of people say, I mean, is that, is, uh, there's not a whole lot to say there to me because it's just so plain. He just says, don't do it. You know, it's kind of like when, you, when I tell my kids something, and then I'm like, what part of that did you not understand? It just said, don't do it. Yeah, but what if I, no, I just said, don't do it. But, but daddy, I'm like, no, don't do it. He just says, don't do it. And if we're not careful, we, we do like my kids. Yeah, but, but, but maybe if I could, um, and, no, don't do it. Well, if, if, if possibly we could just, don't do it. But see, if you, if you look over, no, don't do it. Put the cookie down and put it back on the counter. Don't do it. That's what he says here. So there's, to me, there's not a whole lot that I have to go deep in. It simply says, I will go a little bit deeper, by the way. But it simply says, let it not be the wearing of gold, the putting of apparel. Don't let it be gold and pearls and costly array. And so to me, it's so plain. It's two different apostles, two different places in the Bible talking about it. You go to the Old Testament, and what the Bible says in verse 5, it says, after this manner, in old times. When was the old times? Now, the old times for us would be like the Old West, you know, white earth or something. Old times for them was not white earth. Old times for them was talking about the Old Testament. How did they adorn themselves? And they did not wear jewelry. They did not, and I'm about to point this out. We're about to go back to um, verse number one. But this, this context right here is absolutely talking about a husband and wife relationship. And the women of old time, the holy women that trusted in God, they didn't wear a wedding ring. One for, one for sure, I can tell you, is, is Sarah, because twice Abraham passed him off or her off as his sister. If he had a, she had a wedding ring, you couldn't do that. Don't say she took it off. He said, tell them I am your sister. You're my sister. Tell them. If all it took was a wedding ring off, she could have took it off and wouldn't have to say nothing. 
But that wasn't the custom and that wasn't what was happening. Tell them I, you're, you're my sister. But notice here in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. This is all talking about a husband and wife relationship. When it says don't wear gold, it is talking about a husband and wife relationship. Likewise, ye wives, be subject to your own husbands. We're talking about, you know, a, a husband and wife, which is a marriage. Despite what things are trying to change these days, this is talking about a marriage. We all understand that, right? Ye wives, be subject to your own husbands. If any obey not the word, they, talking about the husbands, may be um, w without the word won by the conversation of the wives. Uh, while they, the husbands, behold your chaste conversations coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on the apparel. Notice, verse 1, verse 2 are all talking about husband-wife relationship. Verse 3 steps in and says, whose adorning, talking about how you relate with your husband and your wife, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of the gold, or putting on the apparel. Verse 4. But let it be this. Now, this is very interesting. It does not say, let it not only be. Look at verse 3 again. Whose adorning, let it not be. Verse 3. I know I'm jumping around on you, bro. I'm sorry. Just work with me. Whose adorning, let it not be. Not Whose adorning let it not only be. See, that's what people want to add there. They want to add only. They want to say, well, a wedding ring, yeah, of course that's not the main thing. But, you know, this is addition. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say whose adorning let it not only be. It just says whose adorning let it not be this. Next verse, verse 4. But let it be this. Not this, but this. Not, not only this, but also this. It says, no, yes. I'm going to say it again. Go back to verse 3. Who's adorning? Let it not only be the outward, uh, excuse me, that's what they want to say. Who's adorning? Let it not be. Let it, let it not be. Now, see, I messed my own self up. That outward adorning of the playing of the hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on the apparel. Next verse. But let it be. You see that? See, people want to add stuff that's just not there. It says, let it not be this, let it be this. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is, a, is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. The Bible is very clear. It is speaking of a husband and wife. Go to the next verse. Again, remember we looked at it? Husband and wife. Husband and wife. Again, look what it says here. After this manner in old times, that holy women also who trusted the God adorned themselves, being in subject to their own husbands. What is the verses above this talking about? Marriage, right? Below, what are we talking about? We're still talking about marriage. And it's saying, don't let gold say that you're married. And when people use a wedding ring, now again, there are people that you have a, a wedding ring that you, someone that you love gave you, you have never heard this before, and you are freaking out right now. Breathe. 
We're going to pray, but I will not step back from what the Word of God says to make people feel good. And you don't want that from me. You do not want that from me. So I'm going to teach it straight, then you're going to pray and God's going to help you and help me. For after this manner, the holy women in old time, this is how they did it. This is the way it went, how they adorned themselves, the things that they did. And so it says, let it not be gold. And when people say they're married, they say, I want this wedding. What, is this? what does this say? It says I'm married. That's exactly what it's saying, let it not be. This is what I put on for, as a commitment. That is the exact thing that it's saying. Don't let it say that. It says, let it not be the wearing of gold, the putting on the apparel. Uh, don't let it be that, the braiding of the hair. But let it be this. Let it be in your spirit. Well, I, of course it's in my spirit. But also, the Bible doesn't say also. The Bible doesn't say couple these things together. Could this be any more plain? Let it not be this. Let it be this. Okay. Now, when you begin to look at the history of, of finger rings and wedding rings and all these things, the scripture is clear to not wear gold. Old Testament, New Testament. Every time that they, God would say, you know, whatever, like, okay, it was like they, they would freak out. The New Testament, Peter and Paul both said, just don't do it. When you look at what a, where the rings first came from, um, the oldest uh, jewelry that we find uh, is, is from Egypt. And, and the Bible, everything about Egypt is something we come out of. One of the oldest ones was of a calf that had these gold riblets. Riblets? I don't even know what that word is. Is that a word? Riblet? Those strips of gold that made it look like hair of the calf, but it was all gold. And they would actually pluck that gold off and wrap it around their finger that they were committing to that, that calf as their God. These are some of the oldest things that they, they have found. Uh, I was reading interesting in Greek mythology. Um, this, I'm not even going to get into all of it, but this dude um, got, got a, uh, he did something that all the other gods didn't like. And they, they, they took him and put a chain on him to a mountain. And then buzzards came and like picked out his gizzard or something like that. I mean, some weird thing going on. But eventually, after so many whatever, he broke this thing loose and he still had a chain but the rock. And then Zeus finally uh, said, well, well, I'm going to take that chain off you, but I'm going to take a link of it and put it around your finger. And a piece of the mountain that you left, I'm going to stick on there. And so to remind you that you are subject to that mountain. And so it was that these things began to come. And, and when you first look at the rings in history, they were not these sweet things. They were things that had to do with ownership. They had to do with things where they would, they, they would actually take um, a, a Roman slave, if you go to that area, Roman slaves, um, that was allowed their liberty. They had to do exactly 
um, that. They had to put a steel ring around their finger, even though they, they are liberated. And they also had to have a rock from wherever it was that they were from put to that ring, and they were not to ever take it off. They were always fastened to that slavery, married to it. In his book, How, um, How It All Began, um, Paul uh, Bonner wrote, and he began to talk about the, the, the use of rings with betrothals and, and how these ceremonies first started and the oldest things that they have found that a man would tie a cord around the waist and around the wrist and around the ankle of the woman that he wanted to marry uh, to make sure that her spirit was always under his control. These are the histories of this stuff. It was a symbol not of undying love, but you are my slave. It had to do with ownership. Read it. Look at it. And so when you begin to look at you know, Paul and them, they, they, they were around all this stuff that was happening. They, this was all going on when they were there. They've already, you know, the Old Testament, they already had as a schoolmaster. Now they're living, and under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, they're saying, don't do it at all. And, and, and Peter is saying, even if you're married, don't let a ring say that you're married. Now, when the early church, Peter and Paul, of course, spoke very plainly about it. Um, and it was years later that politics began to get into the church. It began to creep in, and, uh, and, and they began to make some bad, bad decisions. They took Bibles away from people. They did all kinds of different things. The Pope began to wear a ring that everyone kissed. It actually became holy, something that God uh, was absolutely against. It became holy, and I want you to kiss uh, this ring. Um, it, it was something that was, a, was not a very good thing at all. Um, as a matter of fact, the Popes are married, uh, buried with their their rings, uh, and it, saying that they're connected to whatever, the church or whatever it may be. But it was never anything from the Word of God. It was not there. So when people begin to come out of that and begin to build and begin to get their Bibles back and begin to study, they realize these things aren't, this is not the way it should be. Um, and uh, I, I was reading uh, about the Methodist church in particular um, earlier today actually John Wesley which is the founder of the Methodist Church now uh, he was a strong anointed preacher uh, I mean he brought conviction when he preached uh, and the and and he was there with uh, his brother also and also um, George uh, Whitfield was another one that preached with him and they brought both to England and America such deep convictions and uh, and, and and a lot of his works and his prayer and his leadership uh, helped develop what we Became uh, known even as the holiness movement or the Pentecostal uh, Pentecostalism uh, was branching out of some of these things. Although we don't go back to them, we go all the way back to the book of Acts. That's where we go back to. But I just want to give you a picture because what happens is people say, well, let's just do a little bit and, 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 uh, and you know, that, that's just a little bit. Just, it's almost like a lot coming out of, uh, of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Can I go to this little city? It's just a little one. And God's saying, no, get to the mountain. Uh, but what happened here is, uh, is uh, John Wesley, he began to preach. 
uh, against very strongly against jewelry uh, in, in general and rings in particular. He began to preach against it. Um, and as he began to develop the, uh, the Methodist uh, movement, this is again back in the uh, uh, 1750s um, or something like that. Um, he, he began to, to preach and regarding dress, this is what he wrote, wear no gold, no pearls, no uh, uh, priceless stones. Um, I do not advise women to wear any rings or earrings or necklaces. He began to preach against these things. Uh, Wesley went to great lengths to preach scriptures, just like I just did. One of his scriptures he already used was what I just quoted, which was 1 Peter 3 and 3. And um, Wesley would preach, and, and as he would preach, he kept saying modesty. He kept saying we should dress as plain people with no jewelry or rings, he would preach. Uh, and, the, and the Methodist church upheld Wesley's standard of dress and against ornaments until 1852. When they did that, they decided, well, we're just going to just do a simple wedding band. It's what they decided, 1852. When that happened and they decided they were going to allow that, historically we find that the acceptance of wedding rings has opened the door, this is what they're, I'm quoting now, for, for the use of all kinds of jewelry. When they said, let's just open this door a little bit, it happened just like it did in the Old Testament. Now, there are people that I fellowship, that I love, that in Jesus' name, we're all going to go to heaven together and dance all over streets of gold together. But the, I cannot act like the Bible does not say what it says. The Bible tells us not to wear gold, pearls, costly array. Two apostles in the New Testament, a plethora of times, plethora, where'd that come from? Plethora of times in the Old Testament, it said not to wear gold. It said don't do it. And when they did it, get it off of you. I don't even want to see you with it. This happens. But what happens, and, and people have said, well, we're just going to get a simple wedding band, and that's all it's going to be. No, nothing. And it doesn't take very long at all. And all of a sudden now it's a bigger wedding band, and now there's more, uh, more diamonds on it. And now it's set here and set there. And now it's this like bling thing that you, you like you know, catches your eye and blinds you if you look in that general direction. Um, but it started with, oh, it's just going to be a simple band. There is something about jewelry. It happened all the way back, I believe, with Lucifer in heaven. There's something about all that gold, all those pearls, all that stuff that caused him to rise up. It happened with the children of Israel. It caused them to rise up. And so Paul and Peter, as they founded the New Testament church, they said, listen, we're not going to play games with this thing he said do not do it and I'm here to tell you the churches that have decided to let in a little bit it opens Pandora's box and it just flows and flows and they can't control it it's a wedding ring now it's a promise ring now it's a class ring now it's just a ring because it's a ring and now it's this and now it's that and now it's here and now it's there listen let's stand with Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter and just say we're not going to do it we're not going to have it in this church we have made a decision why because it pleases the king because it pleases God that's why 
Have a seat. I got 15 minutes to hit makeup. Hallelujah. Ah, once a year, here it comes. Second Kings. <laughs> Brother Victor's telling me to take my time. Everybody else is wanting to throw something at Brother Victor. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30. Here we find where uh, Jezebel. Now Jezebel, to this day, she made such an impact in the Bible and it was carried on that even today, if someone is overly something, they all say, you know, that's Jezebel. You know, that's a, that's a term I've heard in the church and out of the church. But what Jezebel was, was an absolute preacher killer. She was taking the people of God away from the things of God and the ways of God. And, um, and, and uh, Jehu was done with it, and he was with the Holy Ghost on his side. He went after her, and she actually went up. And the way she looked out the window, I didn't realize this, but this was the, the, the prominent way of many of the prostitutes. They would look out the window to try to lure her, him in. And what she was actually trying to do here is seduce this man. She knew she could not conquer him, so she decided she was going to seduce him into her castle. But let me tell you what Jehu did. He didn't go up there and take care of it. Let me tell you men something. There are some things you ain't got no business taking care of. If he would have went up those stairs, it, it might have worked. That was a seducing woman. She had major issues. She might have turned that joker's head. So you know what he did? He stood down there and looked at Jezebel and said, Hey, you guys up there, throw her down out of that window. And they threw her out, and she came to her sudden death at the end. But here we find, I don't even know, I'm starting to preach about this thing. I don't even know, I don't know exactly what's all happening, to be honest with you. I do feel like saying that again, but there are people that keep, you keep trying to handle certain things that, that you ain't got no business handling. The Bible is very serious when it says, flee youthful lust. Let me add to my own version. This is not Bible. This is me. Flee all your lust. Now, I don't care if you're young or you're old. Just run, baby, run. Let me tell you, youthful lust. See, now see, how am I going to finish this stuff? Sweet mercy. Youthful lust, that's, it is exactly, Bishop, you tell me if I'm not telling the truth right now. I can, if, if a new wedded couple is about to come in and get married, they act ex exactly the same. If they're 18, oh Lord, that's too young. Whew, just get that up there. 21. Jeez, I'm thinking of my kids. 32. If they're, if they're in their early 20s, or if it's a couple that whatever they got, had, had a, a, a spouse die or whatever, and now they're getting married, and they're in their 50s. When they come in to me and I start counseling them, when they are in that new love, they act exactly the same. I, I, I promise you, they're sitting there, and they're, I mean, these, these people in their 50s and 60s, I'm married, you know, you're out there, you know exactly who I'm talking to. 
I mean, it's exactly. That youthful lust stuff is what keeps getting a hold of us. We just keep letting it ride, and we think, oh, that's not for us. That's for the kids. That ain't for the kids. That's for you, too, because there's something about that lust is it makes you go right back to that point where you ain't thinking anymore, and that's what youth is all about, no maturity, and it's like when someone starts going after someone, they lose their mind. You better run, and you better not go up to Jezebel saying, I'm going to fix her. I'm going to teach Jezebel a, di- a Bible study. You don't teach her no Bible study. You let somebody else take care of her. Okay. Now I have 10 minutes to deal with makeup. She painted her face. That's what I was trying to say. Put on makeup. It was, a, it was a very alluring thing is what she was tried to do. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 30. And when uh, thou spoiled, he's, this, this is Jeremiah talking to the people of Israel because he's talking to them as a bride that was supposed to be ready for God himself. But they went to all these, and the way the Bible says is they hoard themselves out to all these other gods, and they have left their first love. They have went out. And so he's talking to them as, as if someone that, that has done this and that's the way they're living what um what wilt thou do though thou uh closest thyself with crimson though thou deckest thyself with uh ornaments of gold and and you rent your face with painting um in vain shalt thou make thyself fair thy thy lover shall despise thee they will seek thy life he is talking about the people of god that have left and he is pointing them as someone and i'm i i I know people that wear makeup are not thinking this way at all. I am not calling you what I'm about to say right now. I'm trying to explain the light that the Bible puts it in. He is painting the picture of someone that is a prostitute, and he is saying this is how God looks at it. When he's trying to make the point to them that they are acting this way, God said, what am I going to do to help them understand how I feel about this? And he began to talk about how you deck yourself with jewels and how you paint your face. That is how God sees it. I, I could say more about it, but I'm going to hit this other verse. Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 40. It goes to the same thing. Look at the last part of that verse. Again, he is talking, this is a different time that they left, and he's saying the same things. You painted thine eyes and you deckest yourself with ornaments and he's talking about how that they are being a prostitute. That's how he is referring to them. And these are the things that God chooses to relate. It is not a pretty picture. You've got Jezebel that that you find in the Bible that paints her face and wears makeup. You've got uh, the people that God is referring to as harlots uh, that are painting their face. This is not a good group of people to be in. And so the Bible shows us and is very clear that we are not to do this. And when the Bible says that, uh, uh, that uh, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and like manner also that women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety. That shamefacedness is downturned eyes. But when you research it and the time period it was, they would do much like they're doing now, where they would paint around the eyes, that it would draw people's attention in, where they would try to 
to lure them. It was a very common thing to try to lure them. And they're saying, no, don't try to lure them in by painting your eyes, but actually have a spirit that is not trying to be brazen and looking. So both the New and the Old Testament, we're seeing this picture laid out. The Bible to me and to, uh, to the bishop here and to anyone that's a serious uh, uh study of the scripture there is no place in the bible where it paints makeup in a positive light every time in the bible that it refers to painting your face painting your eyes doing these things it is in a very negative light and the bible once again says abstain from all appearance of evil hmm. we don't wear makeup I'm trying to skip things in my brain here. Seven minutes. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. My soul knoweth right well. There is something about when you say, God, you made me and you do all things well. I trust you, Lord. You are in control of everything. Makeup, the Bible refers to it as something that is absolute, in every instance, negative. And when you put makeup in your hair, that's called hair dye. Once again, when you look at the history, where is it that this comes from? The oldest that we find is Egypt. Isn't that interesting? They would, they would dye their hair with vegetable dyes. In the uh, Josephus, in his writings, the only person in the New Testament that he, re that he talks about, the only Jew, he says it that way, the only Jew that dyed his hair was King Herod, the one that beheaded John, because he, he, wanted to look, he didn't want to look old. King Herod. The only person in the Bible that there's any, well, it's not in the Bible, but the, that um, Josephus even mentions. But makeup is makeup, whether it's on your face, whether it's in your hair. And what makeup is, is when it's changing your appearance. Man, I'm trying to figure out how to. That's, that's if it's going on your, your fingernails, your toenails. That's if you, if you are changing your appearance, you are making yourself up. Your hair, the Bible says, the silver hair uh, is a crown of gold. If it's found in the way of righteousness. The glory of a young man is their strength. The beauty of an old man is his gray head, the Bible says. When you look in the book of Revelation, and again, I'm just referring to things the way the Bible refers to them. I'm, I understand that we're living in a world that people have never heard this stuff. But again, this is just the way the Bible's saying it, so I'm just saying it the way the Bible says. In the book of Revelation when it refers to the harlot church. In Revelation 7, 1 through 4, there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me, saying unto him, uh, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. With whoredom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. This is now referring to the great whore of Babylon, of the church that caused all these things to happen, that fornicated the, the, the 
fake church is what I'm referring to. Carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy that had seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in, in purple and scarlet colors and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abomination and the filthiness of her fornication this is how it is referring what it is referring to when it's talking about the great whore of Babylon in the book of Revelation it's talking about wearing gold and pearls and how she's conducting her herself and looking at herself now let's look at revelations 19 when it's talking about the church how does it refer to the church revelation 19 verses 7 and 8 let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage uh, marriage of the lamb is come his wife has made herself ready for she is garnished uh, granted she has arrayed with fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints when it is referring to the great whore of Babylon, I'm not the one bringing all this stuff up. The Bible's bringing it up. She's wearing gold. She's got, she's got this whole decked out thing going on. When it's talking about the church, it's clean. It's white. There's a purity to it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The Bible is very plain that we are to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. The Bible says that, not me. The Bible says that, and because the Bible says that, I do say that. We need to come out from among them and be ye separate. Everybody's doing it. That's probably a good reason not to do it if everybody in this world is doing it. Stand with me. Oh, yes. So many things, so little time. As a church, we do not wear jewelry. Something I've been seeing a lot here lately is tie tacks. I don't think we need to wear tie tacks. Uh, do I think they're god-awful? Uh, probably not, but um, I think it's a step in the direction we don't want to go. Okay? And again... Just like with everything, the ladies carry the biggest burden. Us guys, you know, there's actually a really cool thing. If you take an old shirt, guys, and, and this little part right here of your dress shirt, if you cut it right above a button and right below the button, and you just have this little strip, then what you do is you've got this little clasp right here, and you button it right there, then you feed it through that loop and button it, and your tie won't go anywhere. Come later, I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm saying, if that's a big problem with you, I can help you fix it. That's what I'm saying. Um, so we don't wear jewelry. We don't wear rings. We don't wear earrings. We don't wear necklaces. We don't wear nose rings. We don't wear rings in other places that I won't mention right now. We don't wear jewelry. The Bible says not to wear jewelry. The Bible is very clear. Uh, that we don't do it in, in the Old Testament. They kept getting rid of it every time the, uh, they got with God and God told them, get rid of this stuff, don't have it among you. Uh, in the New Testament, both of the apostles says, don't wear it. One of the apostles was very clearly talking about that in the midst of a husband-wife relationship. We don't need it. Um, and the Bible says, don't let it be that. As a matter of fact, it says, let it be that. Um, and so we don't wear jewelry. Makeup uh, is something that in the Bible... Um, if you want to relate to um, people in the Bible that are like uh, 
sorry, harlots and like Jezebel, then you want to go that way. If you want to be like the church in Revelation, you want it to be clean and white. We do not wear anything that changes the color. If you're doing fingernail polish, it needs to be clear. It, not, it look, needs to look natural. If there is, you've got oil on your face and you're putting powder on your face, it needs to just be your natural, uh, it needs to be, um, it don't need to have color to it at all. Um, and, um, I'm trying to say all this quick. Uh, we don't dye our hair, uh, men and women. Now, we used to only say that with women. Now it's men. It's amazing how many men are dyeing their hair. Sweet mercy. be honest with you, I just hope I have a little hair to dye later on. But uh, that's a whole other conversation. I'm going to dye my scalp. Um, but uh, it's not something we wear. It's not something we do. The, Bi the Bible is, is, is not for it. Um, and... Um, I'm just going to stop there. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy. I thank you for your great grace. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people. I pray that I, I was not in any way rude. I pray that I was not in any way insensitive. But I also pray, Lord, that I was not.